Hello. Welcome. We are the intern ministers at Community Church of New York in Manhattan. We are Unitarian Universalists in the process of becoming ordained clergy. In this podcast, we delve into the life of an intern minister. We explore the ways our lives and internships intersect and how this is ministerial formation. I'm Megan Henry. I'm Carrie McAvoy. And we're, and we're revving, revving up. <laughs> Welcome back, beloveds, to Revving Up with Carrie and Megan. We are in our second season now and a few sessions in to talking about uh, sharing around our process as um, formation and becoming UU ministers. We are uh, hosted here by Community Church of New York and we're located in Midtown Manhattan. And we'd love to hear from you, our viewers slash listeners. And um, please feel free to reach out to us, ask us questions, share your thoughts about what you're hearing us talking about, um, your experiences. We have an email address, podcast at ccny.org. We also have a Facebook group. So if you look up Revving Up in Facebook, you will find us and we'd love to engage with you. So welcome and thank you for engaging in these conversations. So yeah, Carrie, um, here we are. Um, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. So uh, third session and the other the previous two have been great and uh just these having these conversations are really it's really enjoyable to to be talking about these important issues and our experiences and and how it is how our experiences of deepening our ministry um, mm -hmm. are fun. and I really appreciate the opportunity to process with you on a weekly basis as we're going through this it's helping um it's helping me stay present to the process mm -hmm. because we're doing the actions and we're reflecting so we're kind of engaging just by having these conversations i feel like it's enhancing the action reflection model of our learning process and formation that we're um, engaged with at uh, our seminary carrie and i both go to the same seminary meadville lombard theological school and um, there is that action reflection model that we are engaged in already. But now with this extra, it's like really helping to keep me in it and aware, which as we were just talking about before this, before we started recording, it's like so much stuff is coming at us and we're pulled in so many different directions. And sometimes it's just, you know, um, it can be challenging to slow down and remember to be present with what's going on and experience it and feel it and having this opportunity to process it really helps mm -hmm. um, keep us in that space. Yeah, uh, maintaining the non-anxious presence and also one of the things that I've really been trying to live into is acting even though I don't know what is the right way to act, you know? Um, so much of ministry I think is, is sitting in that space of uncertainty and acting and then taking time to reflect afterwards and and if things what 
what worked, what didn't work, and, and doing better the next time or doing differently the next time. So, um, and so we thought that we would talk a little bit more about ministerial presence. I think we talked about it a bit last season, but um, I think we both indicated how our clinical pastoral education moments have changed or um, deepened how we see ministerial presence and how we see ministerial authority. So yes. I know in one of our um, one of our previous sessions this season, you said something like that you felt more authority as a spiritual care provider through the experience of clinical pastoral education. And I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, what did I mean when I said that? That's the, I, I think, you know, what, what that, how that speaks to me right now, hearing that reflected back from you that I had said that, um, I went through so many different phases during my clinical pastoral education experience. So part of it was around, I don't know how to navigate a hospital system. And so, so that piece, like learning the systems of the hospital was, and, and, be, and having a role within that system really gave me some sense of authority. Um, I had a name tag that said chaplain, you know, I was recognized as such. And because people recognized me automatically as a chaplain in an environment where that's the only way they knew me, they didn't know me in any other way, um, previous to being a chaplain or previous, or even outside of that, that hospital space, that building. So I was able to just embody it and live into it and be a chaplain. Um, and that gave me the experience of um, feeling what it feels like to have people treat me like a chaplain, which gave me a sense of authority as, and, and presence. And so, for example, I might be um, in the elevator um, and uh, my cat Moxie has come by to say hello and it looks like Carrie's cat. <laughs> We've got the rare double cat situation here. Athena <laughs> says so hello, Moxie. Sorry. Yes, hello, Athena. <laughs> okay, uh, what was I saying? I love these little cat distractions that we get to have. Um, I, I guess because my CPE experience was the only time so far in my life and in my career where I was only known as a spiritual caregiver. I was not known as anything else except for a spiritual caregiver in that environment. So I was treated that way. I was, that was expected of me. And I felt a sense of um, living into that role and being present with it. And then that gave me the opportunity to know what it feels like to be um, a spiritual care provider, um, to have that role and to be, to be known and treated as that person and then live into it. Yeah. Sorry if that sounds kind of convoluted. I'm trying to, you know, like, what is it? It's, it's a little bit hard for me to articulate actually, which is maybe part of this whole conversation, you know, like how do we articulate what is like ministerial presence or authority? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
What, what about you, Carrie? I mean, I, you, you had your CPE experience also. Yeah. Did you have that feeling as well? Absolutely. Um, one of the things I was told before I went into clinical pastoral education, I'm just going to call it CPE, um, our first unit of chaplaincy. Um, someone told me that as a chaplain, I am the representative of the divine. Like I am a symbol for the divine. And that's mm. the way that people would see me. So um, it, it took a while to figure that out, um, that people did see me that way. So I would enter a room and I would tell them I'm a chaplain and um, having a white appearing body and a woman and they made assumptions about the kind of god that i am was representing mm. um so there was so it's that i couldn't do anything about um but it really the the ministerial authority um really struck home one night when i was on call overnight and i was called to the trauma uh room uh to a family whose uh, son just died and um, he had been shot and um, his girlfriend was pregnant. And so I was in the room when they were told that this occurred. And so um, I accompanied the, the girlfriend and uh, to see her boyfriend and um, I was there with the nurses and she was with him. And then she left the hospital crying and yelling. And um, this is urban Bridgeport. And um, he, she went outside of the, the emergency department. This was probably at one or two in the morning where her friends were outside. This is COVID, so only certain people could come in. And so all of her support were outside and so, um, and at the door are um, a bunch of police, policemen, police officers. And so as she left the emergency room out the doors into the parking lot, there were, there were a line of police officers outside the ED and nurses and doctors. And so there were all of these people bearing witness to this moment where she was wailing and you could hear it. And then slowly she and her friends walked away up the street and I could hear the, her crying the whole way. And I stood on the curb outside of the emergency department and just stood there. And it wasn't until I walked back inside that I, understood the symbology of that moment where I was standing in the, the sacred space. I was, I was holding, I was holding guard and I'm like, oh my gosh, this, this is ministerial authority. Wow. That's such a powerful story, Carrie. Um, thank you for sharing that. When you, when you went, when you felt that yourself in that, that position of having ministerial authority and you say you were standing guard, you, what were you, 
I'm, I'm curious to know what were the different concerns that were going through your head at that time? Because I, I heard you saying there were all these people, these institutional people, these police, these doctors that were witnessing this, what was happening. Mm-hmm. What, did, what were you feeling in that moment? And how did you, what was your role? My role was to create a space of compassion, to bring the presence of all that is holy into that moment to do whatever shielding I could do, whatever space I could present. I feel that in that space of intense grief is one of the most sacred moments of human experience. And I feel that one of the, one of the things that I learned when I was in the emergency department was how much the medical staff embodies that kind of sacredness in those times. And I felt that everyone out there witnessing was holding part of that space of compassion and concern. And I was just a a symbol of that being good and and that that space belonging and creating um, kind of not a force field, but just kind of, it just, yeah, I'm not sure I can put it in better Mm -hmm. words than that. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. It's and and what you said about how like um you experienced the hospital staff as have as holding that space so often for people and that um that sacred space when when people are experiencing such um dramatic and heartbreaking loss and they're in those first moments of grief and I, I've thought about that a lot with them too, like how much the hospital staff goes, like, what do they get training for this? You know, like they're, they're in these really intense moments with people and, and, and such a part of someone's life for this brief moment in time. And then the person walks out the doors and you probably never see them again. And like, what is it to hold that every you know, that experience that happens maybe every day, maybe multiple times a day, maybe even, even every other day, you know, that's a lot to, to, um, to take in and to experience and to be in that space. And then as a, as a, as a chaplain, we, I, I found myself, I don't know if you found this too, Carrie, like sometimes offering a listening ear and support to the staff, um, because they are going through so much also. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I often didn't actually see and get to interact with families of patients, which I thought was really, um, it was was really interesting. I mean, part of it is because of COVID for sure. It's hard to get get in there and visit people, um, even this past summer of 2021, but, and a lot of the patients I, um, would meet with didn't even have, didn't have family, didn't have family close by, didn't have family that they were still in touch with, didn't have a support system. And that was really eye opening to me also in a lot of ways, like, what is that 
like to, to know that there are so many people who don't have support, don't have friends and family that can come and visit them in the hospital is, was really, was real shocking to me. My, my, in my privilege of, you know, having my whole faith community and my, my biological family and, you know, friends who would come out to support me. And yeah, it's a lot. Of course, that's taking us away from ministerial authority, which is what we were talking about. So, <laughs> um, and I, I, I'm, I'm uh, imagining you in, imagining you with the, the family and with, um, in that situation and walking, I guess you followed her out and stood outside. Yeah. Just being that presence. I found myself, my, my ministerial or my pastoral presence was often about just physically being nearby, um, which was really interesting. Just, you know, someone being identified as the chaplain and just standing on the side and being there. Um, and that just being literally just being a presence, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is so interesting, right? Thinking mm -hmm. about presence and what does presence mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So another moment that, um, or a series of moments that, that bring this to mind are um, moments when I would be family, I would be with family whose their, their loved one just died or was near death. And they wanted some kind of ritual to mark that moment. Um, and in some religious traditions, there are specific prayers that are said. Uh, many of the people at Bridgeport Hospital are uh, Catholic. So just that these people would trust me to be in that moment and say prayers and um, just offer that kind of ritualized um, I'm not sure if the word, just, just to mark that moment. Mm -hmm. um, that was kind of um, assuming, okay, this is, I don't know what I'm doing, but because they trust me, I'm going to do something and live into that role, live into that ministerial authority and, and, and ministerial presence. This is what I would want in that space. And so that I'm just going to do it. It takes such amazing um, presence and authority to do, to do that, Carrie, to be that person and to, to be able to stay present, to stay in the room, mm -hmm. to stay nearby. I mean, these are really painful things that people are going through. And in, I would say generally, I don't know, maybe this is too much of an overgeneralization, but I feel like in our culture here in the U.S., um, you know, we, we certainly don't spend a lot of time acknowledging death and dealing with death and grieving and being okay with our own grief process and knowing that that is natural and with others, right? Like with, with another person's grief process, um, there's not a lot of, um, maybe, uh, space made for that and, um, and sometimes you'll even hear people being like, oh, well, you know, they're, they're so-and-so person in their life died like a year ago, you know, like as if like, why are they still <laughs> thinking about that? Or like, why is it still, <laughs> that happened to like a while ago, right? Like, why is it still a thing? And it's because as a culture, as a society, we don't, 
um, value the process of grieving mm -hmm. and acknowledge it. Now, in some religious traditions within our culture, that does happen. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that maybe uh, Unitarian Universalists could do with a little working on and creating more spaces for mourning and grief and processes to acknowledging that it is a process. And um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's so, it's so weird that the one thing we are guaranteed in this life, death, is something that we don't talk about. It's yeah. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's true. It is. It is. And, um, and as uh, people who are in seminary and are in formation to become ordained clergy, you know, we are thinking about that. We are talking about it. We are, you know, so maybe we can, I, I'm, I'm like, my wheels are like, just like turning around thinking about this and acknowledging the, um, the, the ways in which we have turned away from death and maybe feeling, thinking about how to bring that back in, mm -hmm. um, bring it back into, um, you know, acknowledging that that is part of life and helping us figure out how to process our grief and to process death because well, that's big and it's, there's a reason people avoid it, right? <laughs> There's a reason to avoid it. And I think there's so much to be gained in lessons about life if we fully embrace our finitude. Mm -hmm. there, there is so much richness in, to be found in life when I can really understand that my life is limited. Mm -hmm. Amen. So this sounds like a great time to end this podcast. What do you think? <laughs> sure. That feels like a st stopping point to me <laughs> for now. For to now. Be continued. <laughs> um, well, it's so interesting. We started talking about ministerial authority and presence and kind of immediately started talking about our experiences in which we felt like we felt ourselves being present with that authority. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and, and so much of that revolves around when we're with people who are experiencing trauma or grief. Um, and that is, I think, an interesting kind of um, possible uh, jumping point for, you know, a lot more conversations about this too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we'll be with people as they're, you know, when there are memorials and funerals and those you know how to be a how to be um an effective presence during those ceremonies mm -hmm. is really important too yeah those moments yeah. of ritual in mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and creating bringing in those the um sacred into those uh mm -hmm. rites of passage that would be a lot yeah. Talk about. Well, it sounds like we have another topic for yeah. an, a future session. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, thanks for this conversation and processing. And um, please, uh, friends out there listening, um, feel free to email us if you have any ideas 
um, that bubble up for you from this conversation or just are curious about um, in the life of an intern minister and um, a Unitarian Universalist um, or people who are in seminary. Um, I don't know how exactly how old you are, Carrie, but I was going to say middle-aged white ladies who are UU seminarians doing internships in New York City. That's so specific. Yep. In a pastoral, <laughs> in, a, in a church setting. In a church setting. setting. Yeah, right. <laughs> the same place. <laughs> ah. Well, we look forward to hearing from you all and look forward to chatting with you again next week, Carrie. Yeah, so email address again is podcast at ccny.org and check out our Facebook group, Revving Up. And also we are looking towards another live event in December. So your eyes peeled and your ears peeled for announcements as to when and where and what about. That's right. So thank you so much for listening and or watching and thanks for being part of this conversation. Have a great day. Bye.